0: this can't be it there has to be more wait am i crazy no if you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality then you're in the right place welcome to dream catchers it's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend leaving you with the legacy you've always desired listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists entrepreneurs and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, Matt Haller, and
1: Today, I get to do something that I absolutely love to do, which is to not be actually interviewed. I'm the one doing the interviewing with my great friend, Jerome Myers. Now, one of the things that's very interesting as you progress in the world of podcasts, is you look back and realize what you didn't do. And and Jerome has got all sorts of episodes of this show specifically. But as we were talking this morning, he realized he never had really an origin episode. So we're going to start talking about the origin of this entire philosophy of the podcast that he's running right now. And then we're going to talk about a pivot. All right, Jerome, welcome to your show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting to be on this side of the mic, man. I know, man. Yep. You get so much joy from interviewing folks and just being curious about their journey. And that's what we've been doing for, oh man, I guess it's been four years now.
1: Ooh, ooh.
0: Kind of wild. kind so wild. Did it,
1: where, where did it begin? Why in God's name four years ago did you get behind a microphone and think that this was a good idea?
0: So before this, we were doing something called a tribe call. And I would get people onto freeconferencecall.com on a Tuesday evening. And we just go through somebody's story. And the goal was to create inspiration, direction, and offer a little bit of education because there were a lot of people on the same journey. And, you know, one day I was like, man, let's start recording these and distribute them to the masses. And so I did everything wrong. I went on SoundCloud and it's still some of those decisions still impact me today, but I went on SoundCloud Got my little thing set up, and I started uploading the stuff. And there was no intro, there was no outro, there was no mid roll, there was no editing, and it was just a a mess, honestly. And then we we refined, and as things progressed, we we got better and better. But man, it it was just this desire to give people some positivity, to give them exposure to things that were possible for them and i think that's just been a consistent theme and message for our company is you know once you see something you can't unsee it and so how can we expose as many people as possible to the things that could actually happen for them
1: well so from humble origins right how many episodes do you have now
0: gotta be Knocking on 200, I don't know the exact number. I probably should have checked before we hopped on today. (laughs) But, you know, I'm so fortunate that once I record it, I don't see it again until it's all done. And that, for me, is one of the things that is really exciting. Because I remember I used to edit every episode myself when we started editing them. And it took me about three hours for every hour of content. I remember those days with our stuff too, my friend. That was a humbling
1: experience when you're the one doing all of the interviews, all of the post-production, all the show notes. But the fun part about it is for those of you who are listening, who've been on this journey for the last 200 episodes, you have seen the evolution. And really what we're talking about now is the next phase of evolution, not just in content for this show, but really for a lot of the products and services that Jerome and his company are going to be offering everybody. So, so okay, so there was the foundation motivational, educational, and a possible, you know, so people could see the possibilities in their life. A conference call to a highly produced, very well edited video component, unbelievable guests, intro, outro, mid roll ad, all of those sorts of things. The feeling of the content has still changed. Are we expecting that the feeling of this content, this new direction, is going to change that? Or are we still going to have those philosophical underpinnings?
0: Oh, I think those things are always going to be a part of what we do, Matt. But I do think that there's another level. You and I talk about there being no level eight all the time, which is an inside joke that eventually we may share with the listeners of the podcast. But there's another level. And the more successful I become and the more exposure I get and the more things I can't unsee. I feel like I've got a duty, even an obligation to share it with the folks who are on this journey with me and the new folks who come in because we're growing. And I think they should get the opportunity to see what we're finding out as we go around the world, looking for the people who are actually the thought leaders on the things that most of us don't actually give much thought. So it's my fundamental ab- but fundamental belief that many of us are programmed. Mm -hmm. And in that programming, we go on autopilot for over 90% of the decisions that we make. And there are some people who I've been running into who fundamentally think about the world a different way. And they keep me asking the question, when did I decide who I was going to be? And it's not just me, right? But it's everything I touch. So the companies that I lead. When did I decide what or who they were going to be? And these identities, I think, are in a perpetual state of change and growth. Because I'll never forget my, my college football coach saying, men, if you don't grow, you die. Mm. And that was a running joke for the team because I don't think we truly understood the gravity of what he was offering to us. Yeah, But in hindsight, there was so much wisdom in what he shared with us.
1: Now, these new people that you're starting to, you know, swim in the waters with and, and you hang out with not just professionally, but socially. It's fascinating, as you and I talk about, there's no level eight, right? Even though a lot of these people have achieved unbelievable, literally, not literally, well, some of them literally astronomical, yeah. you know, levels of success. There are still some fundamental core things That you keep noticing you come back from these conferences and you and I hang out and talk and you're like, dude, uh, this guy from the stage just said this. Would you mind sharing that story? Because I think this is a great setup for the rest of the show.
0: Yeah. And so a couple of weeks ago, an episode with Jonathan Kronstadt came out on the Dreamcatchers podcast. and If you didn't listen to it, you should. Because this guy exited a company, Kajabi, for two billion dollars. And so, yeah, that's so far out. I can't even begin to imagine what that feels like, Jerome. There's nothing relevant in it for me. Oh, but it is. <laughs> and so <laughs> here I am standing in the back of the room because we were at a event and they threw me the mic. They've got these toss boxes. And so there's a microphone inside one of these little square foam cubes and they throw them around the room One, it it livens everybody up because they're worried about their coffee getting knocked over, getting hit in the head. But the mic happened to end up in my hand. And so I prep him. I said, all right, are you sure you want to entertain or answer this question? And he was like, well, with a setup like that, here we go. And so I said, so during your presentation, you said that you were having an existential crisis. And I want to know, how did you overcome that? And he said, well, I'll let you know when I get out. And first, the thought that somebody who had more money than most people can ever imagine having was willing in front of a room of probably 250 people to admit that they were in this space where they were trying to figure out what life was now that they exited this big thing was inspiring for me. Because that takes a level of courage that I don't think most people even begin to imagine because there's this belief that everything's supposed to be okay or money fixes all the issues or continue to go down the path. I I got to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, whatever you want to put in. And we all find out that that's just not true. It's just not true.
1: That level of vulnerability, I remember when you told me that, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember the, the look on my face, but I think my mouth was wide open when you said that. And I also, so so the vulnerability for him to be able to say that, the courage that he had to to say that, but then the three, the opportunity that that presents, because so many people meet somebody like him and they get starstruck, like there's nothing I could do as a coach or a service provider or a consultant or anything along those lines that i could ever do to help this guy he's got it all and that's when you and i started joking about this there's no level 8 right it's okay so now what right who is going to have the the skill set the, the strength of character, the confidence needed to be able to go to that person and actually help them through not just the existential crisis, but what's next in their life. Talk a little
0: bit more about that. Yeah, man. So what's funny, and it's funny, the dominoes just keep lining up, Matt, right? We had this conversation about the five things that all these apex reformers experience. And maybe they don't get all five, but they get the majority of them. And so it's the near-death experience. It's the near financial ruin. It's the uh, loss of somebody close to them in, in childhood. It's the feelings of inadequacy or depression or the suicidal ideation. And then the last one is kind of this people-pleasing thing, which is the service that allowed them to go from one level to the next. So nobody's immune from that. It doesn't matter how much money they have. And so I heard somebody say, oh, yeah, well, they it was probably you. It's like, they just put their pants on just like you. And because I was awestruck, right? I, I was surprised because the wealthiest person that I'd spent time with up until that point was probably worth about $150 million. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the hurdle. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, he, he's a he's a normal guy as well and most people have no idea that he has that level of as of wealth but there's so, there was something different about people who built these unicorn businesses at least in my initial encounter and then as we had lunch together and then on the podcast and then in additional conversations i learned that no the zero the extra zero or the extra two zeros at the end of the bank balance don't actually mean much. The problems that they're dealing with have an extra zero or extra two zeros and but all of the other stuff is absolutely the same now they're they're questioning how worth they are how worthy they are and so three questions that I know that. Everybody's asking when they get to this place of success where they have potentially peaked. And for some people, the peak point is being the varsity quarterback in high school. Mm -hmm. Other people is hitting some musical pinnacle. Maybe they hit first chair. Other people, it might be being rookie of the year in some sales field. And then there's other people who build this company or do some literary work, and it's like, oh, man, how could you ever top that? But there's questions that they ask that have nothing to do with how can I top that. It's, well, what was it all for? Is this really it? And what now? Yeah. What now? Because I don't have to do that anymore.
1: Something that he said during the interview, which to me is the most telling thing about most of the people who've che- achieved that level of success was, you know, Jerome, everybody wants to talk to me now, but they don't want to talk to me over the last 15 years of all the failures that I had and all of the incremental steps that I took to be able to get Kajabi to, you know, the the, the whatever billion, you know, val- billions, plural valuation. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is so important. Because you personally have been going through this. You have helped so many other people through this. You just haven't always, like you said, you know, the, the most wealthy, the wealthiest person, 150 million. Well, you, this guy just has another zero, but he's still just a normal everyday person who's on this planet that's spinning around the sun and in this galaxy and all of that sort of stuff. So what do you do with these people? How How are you? One, approaching them, and two, what are some of the core things that you're going to start helping people with, with kind of this new direction of of this show and your business specifically?
0: Yeah. So I think we'll go to the show first. And I think the first thing we did was change existential crisis to exit crisis, because I can't spell existential. (laughs) 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 So Look, man, I think there's so many people who are building things to sell them. There's so many people who want to figure out how to get to an exit. But everybody that I talk to that have exited, whether it's for a billion or a couple of million, they all have a very similar story. And so I want to highlight the things that aren't just the grandiose, oh, well, I got my Rolex, or I got my AP, or I got the new exotic car, or we went on vacation for six months. Like, all that's great, but that has very little to do with quality of life. And so my goal is to help people actually improve their quality of life instead of going down in that hole and staying in the hole that we have after we achieve a major goal. It was really cool to see one of my clients last year hit their first $100,000 month as somebody who has very little overhead. And him saying, I I didn't go in the hole. I thought after I hit this goal that I was going to have, I I, I guess it's, I I don't actually know the technical term for it, and you may, but after you achieve something massive, there's usually just this big drop off. There's disappointment it's almost like buyer's remorse, right? There's like this drop-off that happens where you've got low energy, you feel purposeless, you are questioning if you even deserve the success or the outcome that mm-hmm. you got. Mm-hmm. And you can actually put yourself in a place that it's really difficult for you to come out of without some external support. And here, here's the other side of this, Matt. Like when you have something like an exit happen and it's really public, you start questioning everybody's motives. Yep. Oh yeah. Right. And I mean, everything, but let's go to the relationships, right? Like our favorite thing to do is to tell people to pull out a napkin and draw two lines on it. Right. And when you start putting the folks in the boxes and you find out that, wait, none of the people here are actually contributing in my life in a a major way, a high contribution and a high capacity for the place that I want to go now, you find out that you need a different level of support than you've ever had. You may have been able to muscle it in the past or do it just on your own willpower, but now you've reached a point where you go on this new mountain where you need a Sherpa. Somebody to point out hey, we probably shouldn't go to that next summit today. There's a storm on the way. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? hop over to JeromeMeyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. There
1: there are two things that you said there that I think are really vital to to take a step back. So the first thing is, is there is a downside to goal setting. And I don't think a lot of people really understand that. They're so hard driving and that, you know, they're always setting these goals. But the other thing that most people who are this level of driven is they don't give themselves the opportunity to celebrate the win, right? This is such an interesting thing because as, as, you know, an elite athlete, which you were for so long. A lot of people don't understand that there is a reason why the team celebrates after a win, right? It actually sets you up for a greater level of success for the next game, right? Because you've allowed yourself to fully experience that win. We as just normal non-sports people don't give ourselves that opportunity. And that's why a lot of times you'll hit that huge valley after a goal because instead of congratulating yourself and having that Sherpa to say to you oh my shake you back and forth and say do you see what you just did what are you going to do to celebrate what what is your experience with that stuff
0: so I I call it locking it in and so I think about a step and so there's the rise and then there's the horizontal journey there's a rise and a horizontal journey if you don't lock in if you don't do the horizontal journey then it's almost like you're just trying to skip steps or just jump up steps and what happens when you jump up steps is you slide back down. Yeah. So we want to lock in the incremental growth so that you just settle back to the place of locking in. If you try to go to a new level and you, you aren't able to do that successfully. Yeah. I fundamentally believe that the majority of people are numbing their emotions. They don't yes. want to feel the lows, so they don't feel comfortable allowing themselves to experience the highs. And I think that is one of the greatest atrocities that has become common practice for folks. And, you know, they may say, oh, well, I, I don't need to do that. You do. You do. Because what we see is when you don't do that, then you start doing these adrenaline focused activities that are extremely dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to feel something at some point when you go on and numb things for an extended period of time. so, well, and, and
1: your insurance company is going to get really pissed now that you're worth, you know, $10 billion, they're not going to underwrite you. In fact, there's a movie about that. I want to, so when I was a coach many, many years ago, my clients used to get really frustrated with me, Jerome, because when we would set a goal, one of the things that we would always have to build in is an emotionally anchoring reward. And that emotionally anchoring reward was generally something that was experiential, but had an experiential reminder. And I'll give you a good example. So one of my clients wanted to make a million dollars or whatever. So we helped him get to a million dollars because, of course, that's when they're going to be happy, right? And so when he made a million dollars, he wanted to go ahead and take his wife on this very, very specific trip. And so they made it. They booked the trip. My, My assignment for him was, I need you to pay somebody a local, because they're all everywhere, to take a picture of you. And I wanted to be in the the greatest place right after you had the best time, right? And, and so he got back and he was like, Matt, I got like 50 of those pictures. It's like, of course you did, right? Because there are locals everywhere trying to take your picture because you give them like five bucks for it, right? And he's like, okay, so I got the picture. He showed me the picture. And Jerome, you should seen the look on this dude's face. I mean, it was, it was unfettered happiness and joy. I said, so here's yeah. what you're going to do. You're going to frame that picture. It's you're going to be, it's going to be big, like an eight by 10, not like a 12 by 24, eight by 10. And you're going to have it in a location that not only you can see, but your clients can see also. And he's like, well, what, what the hell are you doing? I was like, just trust me here. Just shut up and do it. I was a great coach. Right. And so, uh, so we're so three, four months later. And, uh, and he said it happened. And I was like, it did really. It took this long. He's like, he's like, well, I remember to tell you that it happened. I was like, okay. So, so what happened? He said, one of my clients asked about the picture. I said, okay, what did that do for you? And he said, Matt, I was flooded with joy. I was taken immediately back to that specific situation, spending that time with my wife and remembering that I achieved the goal. Those are those little itty bitty things that those of us, those Sherpas that you can work with, know those brain hacks to make it so that success can last a lifetime, but still make you want to drive for more. What, what What do you think about that, my friend?
0: I think it's phenomenal. And it's funny because for folks who don't have any traumatic brain injuries or memory loss issues, they feel like they don't need to have these experiences. And yeah. look, man, I, the majority of my memory between my senior year in high school And the year after I graduated college was erased in a car accident. So this thought, this idea, this concept that, oh, well, I don't need to capture any of these moments is one that's false. And I think you're just trying to isolate yourself or protect yourself because if you remember the good, then you're scared you're going to remember the bad. And again, it's just this numbing thing in order to, I guess, stay even kill. But I don't think there's tremendous value in that. In fact, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, You might be harming yourself by doing that. And so let's be clear. There's something to be said for being in a space where you're not extremely stressed all the time. Yeah. Right. And yeah. this is where I believe this behavior evolves from because oftentimes income is erratic when you're starting out on a thing. And you're placing these bets and you don't want to be in a space or a place where if you bet wrong, you go in the tank. And you, But guys, let's be clear. It's going to happen anyway. Like every time you go to a new level, you're going to eventually find your edge if you're pushing. And sometimes you're going to step off. But as long as you've, you're clipped in, you don't die. <laughs> and so that means you can get back up and continue to go and learn from that mistake that you made intentionally or unintentionally here's the thing though having a sherpa with you will keep you from making a lot of those mistakes because they've seen other people make them or they've made them themselves yeah Uh, you know I I was taken aback because I ran across an old episode of Andy Fursella and Ed Milet talking and they were saying oh yeah well you know if you can't do it then you should go be a teacher or coach and I smirked because they were in a place where they were launching their education brands what the heck man and they were like oh well you know only five percent of my money comes from this part of the thing I'm running a real business and I was like that's really short-sighted and I'm sure that what you did in order to get there, either you had a coach and you're not giving credit for right. that, or you made all of the mistakes on your own. Both of them, I think, are rooted in ego, right? Why would you need to touch the stove to know that it's hot if somebody else told you it's hot Yeah. outside of the experience of wanting to know what hot actually feels like? Back And that is, to me, just an example of somebody demonstrating those very, I call it adrenaline junkie behaviors. And you get there and then you look up. And if you survived, you've got to elevate that thing to the next level because you're you're just chasing the dopamine. Right. And here's the thing. If you don't get that under control, eventually you destroy everything you built. And potentially
1: yourself, right? I mean, there's there's only so much that you can do. This is one of the reasons drug use is so prevalent in unbelievably successful people, right? They're always looking for that that next level. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the 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 Sherpa thing because most people who have achieved that level of success, even though they might not credit the people, which is that whole ego thing that helped them get there, your Kajabi friend went through school, had teachers, had productivity coaches and time management coaches and leadership coaches and all of those sorts of things, and they don't understand that the foundation that these Sherpas built and the bigger and stronger foundation that you build as a highly successful professional will allow you to build a greater empire, right? None of these people have built an empire with one little thing that they're balancing on, which is their own ability to manage themselves. The most successful people are consistently surrounding people, surrounding themselves with people who build a built stronger foundation. Why don't you talk a little bit about the foundation while we wrap up this part of this episode?
0: Yeah, man. So our foundation is the red pill and the first three levels are all about stress reduction, self-image relationship and work. And so our goal there is to turn down the stress so people stop the self-destructive habits. Those self-destructive habits negatively impact level four, which is health. So if we can dive in and help people redefine themselves, if they're in a place where their self-image is no longer serving them, if we can help them find those relationships that are high contribution and full of folks who have high capacity, then they can use that to leverage themselves into the next level. And then they will show up in the workplace in a way that allows them to work on things that are inspiring for them, that allow them to have impact, that increases their income. And for what I think these founders are most interested in, or most, I guess what they're chasing is their interest being peaked, right? Founders are problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have those four eyes to actually have that inspired work. And so we focus on that piece. And once we have those things in place and the stress is manageable, when I say manageable, it means you don't go at the end of the day and say, hey, I'm going to do something to take the edge off. Mm -hmm. But you're living in a space where you're flowing and you're moving through the different phases. You can build something really special. On with the top three levels being health, prosperity, and significance. But if you don't have a steady, stable foundation in those first three levels, and your stress is wonky, boy, can you end up in a mess. Yeah. I think as people hear those explanations, I think
1: one of the things that a lot of very successful people have missing in their life is that high capacity, high contribution. When you... Jerome get to work with these people something that i want everybody who's listening to this understand is there is a tribe being created within this coaching program and so you will be able to meet other people like you who have that gap in high capacity high contribution and you might be able to help them fill that gap because You have walked that walk. You've achieved these levels of success. You have lived the life that they've lived because Jerome and I talk about this all the time. It's lonely being successful. It's really lonely. And many people are like, oh, you know, uh, that's fine. I've got the money. Listen, it's still lonely, right? So what do you need to do to be able to not only recenter yourself and get your foundation built, But what do you need to do to maintain that level of performance? And in my opinion, you need to go ahead and you need to engage Jerome. So Jerome, I I know this is your podcast, but I don't know how often you say this. How often do you share on this show? What is the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to know more about this elite program?
0: We don't. Right. And that goes back to just being a a terrible marketer. We came in with the idea to serve. Right. But the best place for folks to go is. I tuck the Co, and there they can fill out the application to see if they're a good fit for us and our community.: Well, Jerome, I'm, I'm personally so happy to be on this side of the mic and make you be
1: the one who gets interviewed because one of the greatest things about this medium is during these conversations, stuff happens, right? Epiphanies happen for you, Epiphanies happen for the host. You know, epiphanies just happen because it's all about engaging real conversation so that somebody can draw what's going on in that brain out. And I hope I did an okay job with that today. And with that, everybody, I'll see you on the other
0: side of the mic very soon. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. (laughs) Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.